0: To Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where lifelong friends and super fans analyze the greatest teen show from the early
1: 2000s. Woo! Yes! <laughs> this week we are fucking back, baby! To discuss The Desperate Kingdom of Love, the first episode of season two, which was written by the creator of this show, directed by Greg Prange, and originally aired on September 21st, 2004. Sir Jeremy, it's been a while—like <laughs> a really long time. It, it kind of has. <laughs> i feel a little bit awkward right now. I'm like, okay. "Hey, how's it going?" Like, it's been forever, despite the two of us talking every single day. Yep. <laughs> like,
0: can we still podcast? <laughs> can, do we know how to do it?
1: I, I, I think we. Did, I, I think we're doing pretty. Uh, we're doing pretty okay, right? Yeah, we are. I, we've recorded a few episodes at this point, and they've been—they've been okay. I know. We
0: just haven't released anything in so long, and we miss doing that. But Exactly. we didn't intend to have this long of a break, listeners. <laughs> we're sorry yes. about that. Um, but life, life kind of happened. Grad school mm-hmm. for me, Jeremy in his new job. <laughs> there was just a lot going on.
1: Yeah, so it's been a balanced act for sure. Uh, but we will say this. We do not plan to take a break this long again. We'll still take breaks because we're human, but between seasons, I don't think we're going to be doing this big of a gap of a break. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> we honestly miss all of you. And for full transparency, though, I know we're not going to take as long of a break uh, between seasons, but we are going to say we will be airing episodes only three times a month. Instead of every week, like we did previously, that'll give us some more time to produce and edit episodes and make sure we're not, like, stressing ourselves out or anything like that, and just to make sure that we don't have as long of a break.
0: Yeah, this will make the podcast more consistent, I think.
1: (laughs) For sure. Instead of having, like, a 72-month break, you know? (laughs) But we have to uh, say thank you to a listener like you who left us a review during our hiatus. So it's nice to know that none of you forgot about us. We really, really appreciate that.
0: I know. I loved reading that review that you're about to share, because I know which one you're sharing, Jeremy.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) This review was left by A underscore Devi23, and the headline says, Wonderful podcast." As a longtime OTH viewer, I've watched the different episodes many times throughout the years, but I've never seen season 1 through 9 straight through since the show finished, and I did that recently and discovered the podcast while doing so. I love the chemistry and banter between Jeremy and Caitlin, and they bring lots of great opinions to the table. Watching the show again in my 30s, and knowing the things that have come out about the show have changed a lot of my perspectives on the storylines of the show, and it's interesting to hear these perspectives from you guys as well. Excited for the second season! Hope it comes soon. Well, we are here. That we are.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love how uh, this listener acknowledged the fact that we're like kind of criticizing the show in some capacity, (laughs) which that's like a big part of what we've been doing is like looking at it through a 2020, 2021 perspective um, since the show aired so long ago
1: originally. While simultaneously loving it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, you know, like we say all the time, you can still love Theds even when you're. Even when you're critiquing it. It makes it more fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we really did appreciate that review. Thank you so much. And if you, if any of you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, uh, please do so. And we would love to read the review on the show because we like to have our ego stroked. <laughs> Jeremy. Just a tad.
0: But really, thank you for all the reviews that have been left so far. We really appreciate it. Yes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It genuinely makes us feel good, So I always joke about having our ego stroked because (laughs) I like to be arrogant sometimes. But anyway. All right. (laughs) Listeners are like, okay, shut the fuck up. We just want you to talk about season two. Okay. Let's move on.
0: (laughs) Always and Forever is spoiler free, but stay
1: tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe.
0: The season two premiere starts off with Dan's funeral and everyone mourning his death.
1: But wait, Deb is only dreaming. Dan is alive and in the hospital, but hasn't woken up yet. Deb's guilt for not calling the ambulance immediately because of Dan's threat, better hope I die, eats away at her and she worries that Dan won't survive.
0: Keith and Lucas arrive in Charleston, and Keith immediately gets a phone call about Dan. They contemplate whether to stay in Charleston or head back to Tree Hill. Keith is against going back because of all the terrible things Dan has done. Lucas reminds him that Dan's his
1: brother, and that's what matters most. Meanwhile, Karen struggles with Lucas' absence. She visits Whitey in the hospital, and he gives her advice to take a few chances in life.
0: In other news, it's the second day of Brooke and Peyton's Hoes Over Bros reunion tour. Yes! They rekindle their friendship during a boat trip and bonfire on the
1: beach. Peyton reveals that Lucas left a note behind for both of them before he left town. And at first, Brooke is upset that Peyton didn't tell her sooner. But in the end, they decide not to read it and burn it in the fire instead.
0: News of Haley and Nathan's marriage spreads through Tree Hill. Deb finds out because she sees their wedding rings and becomes very upset and even blames them both for Dan's stress and heart attack.
1: After that encounter, Haley begins to question why they got married and worries that they are too young and move too fast. Nathan reassures her that they made the right decision and he will love her always and forever. Sounds like a great name for the podcast, doesn't it, Caitlin?
0: I know, what a great
1: name. Oh my God.
0: In the final moments, Keith and Lucas return to Tree Hill and Dan wakes up to see Keith comforting Deb. Tum, tum,
1: tum. practically a beer commercial i'm jeremy rodriguez
0: and alphabetizing my cd collection i'm caitlin (laughs) Woohoo!
1: we are back for season two baby
0: oh my gosh i'm so 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 excited
1: (laughs) yeah this season i feel like is very underappreciated i feel like there's a lot of good stuff in this one
0: i would agree with that it and it's like one of the I don't know. Maybe this is controversial, but one of the best seasons.
1: <laughs> Not as good as season three, oh, for oh sure. Gosh. Because That's we're absolute... on the record of saying that, that season three is our favorite.
0: Oh, don't get me wrong. Season three will always and forever be my favorite. <laughs> but season Beautiful. two is one of the better seasons, I think. there's It's fun. <laughs> and I feel like One Tree Hill starts to become One Tree Hill in this season. And... Mm-hmm. It's just a fun. It's a fun season.
1: Yeah, this is the show that we fell in love with for sure. Mm-hmm. And you know, not that season one was bad by any means, but I don't know. I just feel like season two. This is, this is when One Tree Hill becomes what it is. And you know, and I'm really excited about our discussions moving forward.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of plot points in this season that are going to be really interesting to talk about.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't wait. But before we get into that. Um, this episode is titled after the song, Desperate Kingdom of Love by PJ Harvey, and- I didn't think too much of this song, to be honest with you. I thought it was a straightforward love song, but then you decided to talk to me about it off mic and kind of blew my mind. So, Caitlin, like, (laughs) take it away and talk all about it, please, because you are the smarter scholar type for this, and I want to hear more from you.
0: Oh, thanks. Pressure's on now. Jeez.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure everybody will agree.
0: So, I I felt like this song, it wasn't like it didn't wow me or anything. But there is a connection to the episode, and I feel like it really just shows, like, that love can be painful in a way, and I think we're seeing that a little bit in today's episode, but also the fact that, like, in any relationship, there can be trials that you go through in life. Like, for example, let's see, just the very first stanza, Oh, love, you were a sickly child, and how the wind knocked you down, put on your spurs, swagger around. And then we get the very end where there's maybe a little bit more hope. And at the end of this burning world, you'll stand proud, face upheld, and I'll follow you into heaven or hell. And I'll become as a girl. So while there's trials at the same time, there's also, like, in a relationship, I guess, you're, you're in it together. And even though there's hardships, like, you're together. Through the thick and thin, I guess you could say.
1: That was beautiful. thank you very much and and, um when you were when you were talking about that too i wasn't even thinking about like necessarily romantic relationships either like i think this after you said all that i feel like the song could really apply to like uh brook and Hayden, for example yeah because that's a good point yeah they're having like trials and tribulations in their own friendship and you know that's just as important as a romantic relationship you know and i kind of like that uh their friendship is being juxtaposed next to um, Nathan and Haley, for example. And I don't know if that was, if that juxtaposition was intentional, but I really enjoyed seeing that.
0: Yeah, that that's cool, because the episode kind of does explore different relationships. I mean, it, it mm. always is exploring that, but I feel like, yeah, it's interesting that they paired those two in this episode. Like, you know, Peyton and Brooke are kind of rebuilding their friendship, versus Nathan and Haley are kind of they're i don't know they're coming together <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. as a married couple <laughs> as teenagers <laughs> but yeah and i think the title of the song the desperate kingdom of love like really points to that the fact that naily nathan and haley they're they're so they're like so desperately in love to the point where they're almost not thinking clearly in a way like they just went and got married
1: yeah, and, and there's a lot of people like telling them that too, like Karen being like, "like I was also in love in high school," and you know I know that changes. I just hope it doesn't change for you. And I'm like, okay, like there's a there's a foreboding nature happening.
0: Yeah, for sure, and that makes Haley question their relationship at the very end of the episode when she's mm-hmm. going through the CDs and just having a meltdown, basically.
1: Yep. I'm not a wife. I'm not even a senior. (laughs) That's a good quote. So iconic. Like I, Uh, it makes me laugh every time. Yep. I know it's a really serious moment, but come on, like you just have to like chuckle a little bit. (laughs) I'm not even a senior. (laughs) How ridiculous does that sound? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh my goodness. But, um, can we give a huge, huge, huge fucking shout out to the new music supervisor for this season, who stays on the show for the rest of the run, Lindsay fucking Wolfington? Oh my gosh. Her She's- name is Lindsay Wolfington. Fucking is not her middle name. I just <laughs> want to make that clear. I just want to hype her up, you know? <laughs> She's so
0: talented. Oh my gosh. The music. Yes. Ugh.
1: Yeah, and you know, Madonna, Wade, Reed, and Jennifer Piken did great work in season one, and they're still on the staff for the show. I'm not entirely sure when they officially leave the show, but I feel like from this moment onward, just like, the music supervision is just perfect. Like, I can remember episodes based on songs. Just, Lindsay Wolfenden does a phenomenal job, and I just gotta hand it to her.
0: Yeah, the music in this season is particularly strong. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking of a musical guest that we'll get to later, and, oh my god. Oh my god, the song choices.
1: Oh, I don't know what musical guests are talking about. You know what musical guests
0: I'm talking about. And they play a lot of their songs throughout the whole season, basically. There's several songs,
1: but... Okay, alright. I think I know, but, you know, obviously don't tell me. I won't. (laughs) We'll talk about that either in a spoiler segment or off mic, one or the other. (laughs) But yes, uh, Lindsay Woffington is just, uh, she's just a treasure, and we're going to be hyping her up a lot, probably for the rest of the series, <laughs> to be honest with you. Honestly, we really will be. And she still has a thriving career as a music supervisor, too. Like, if you look up her IMDb page, I'm like, she's still, like, she's doing a great job. Yeah, I can't, do you know what show she's currently on? Let's look her up on IMDb yeah, real quickly. Yeah, do that. Yes. Okay, so she for Netflix she was on A Typical. Uh to All the Boys, Always and Forever, Warrior Nun. Fuller House. I didn't know she was on Fuller House. Uh Light I as a Feather. Shadow I love To all the boys.
0: <laughs> Don't even get me started. It's
1: so I still haven't seen them. Oh, she was also on the on the on the first movie as well. It's all the boys I've loved before. Yeah, so she was
0: No wonder I love the music on to all the boys. Like no oh, wonder. Because she's, oh, she's just so talented.
1: There you go. Yeah. I, I can't handle it. She, she, she's she's made her mark, for sure. Even in this episode, I feel like there's a lot of incredible moments. Like, even for uh, when I was trying to pick my favorite musical moment, it was kind of hard.
0: Yeah, I had I two that I was really liking.
1: <laughs> yeah, same. But yeah, other than that, should we get to some of the main plot points for this episode?
0: Yeah, let's start off with the big one, Dan's heart attack. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Will Dan die?
1: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> they start off with a fake-out dream sequence, and it's wonderful.
0: I know. you When you're watching that episode, like, obviously, as fans, we knew that he survived hard <laughs> heart attack yes. <laughs> we already knew that but like wow that really like set you up to believe that he was dying or he not he was dying he he died but right it was very short-lived so
1: <laughs> yeah because he wakes up at the end and he's like he sees uh deb and keith hugged and he's like whoa and then you're wondering like what is going to fucking happen
0: I know. Yeah, of course that moment when they're hugging he has to wake up.
1: Yeah, and we know from the <laughs> we know from the season finale that Dan told Deb like you better hope I die. So he definitely has something plans. He it seemed like he had something plans based on what we saw.
0: Yeah. To think that like he was on the ground having a heart attack and he's thinking of revenge to the one person who could help him like get get help. <laughs>
1: mm hmm. And then we get a little bit of context for that scene. We see a little bit more after he says that. Deb is like, You're threatening me? Here, tell the ambulance yourself. And just throws the phone on the floor. I think a lot of people would have had a similar reaction as Deb did. Yeah. Because the fact that he was so good.
0: Yeah. The fact that he was saying that, I, I just can't believe it. But I can believe it because he's evil. I, I don't blame Deb for having that reaction, but I, she shouldn't think that those few seconds were going to affect... Because, like, she picked up the phone, like, a few seconds later, so her guilt... Right. Her guilt was not... You know, that was silly to have guilt over that, because... Right. It was, what, maybe ten seconds that she waited?
1: Yes. You know? It's true. I mean, it's, to be fair, though, like, if that was called, like, a security camera or whatnot and he died, she could have been implicated, I'm pretty sure. I mean... I'm not a law expert, but I'm pretty sure she could have been implicated. She's like, oh, God, like, you know, she didn't call. Oh, no.
0: I don't know about that, but I, I guess.
1: Who knows? I'm not a lawyer. Do we have any lawyers who listen to us? Please, like, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to know, like, could she have been implicated in that if she got caught?
0: If she sat around for a half hour, maybe, but, like, it was literally merely seconds. That's my thought True. on it. Jeremy, that's my thought.
1: Okay, that's fair <laughs> enough. That is fair enough. But they want to create some drama, you know. They want to show her. I feel guilty. But we also see uh, Keith and Lucas's reaction to the whole ordeal. Which, before we get into that, can we talk about uh, Chad Michael Murray's haircut?
0: I really like the haircut.
1: I do too. <laughs> I think this is. I think this is peak Chad Michael Murray this is here. Definitely pe- peak
0: like, Michael Murray. Like
1: th- this is him that is at his prime and. Well, just just so dreamy. Just can we swoon about it for a second?
0: I know. The haircuts moving forward can be a little questionable. Or like, <laughs> the, the color of the hair. Oh Yeah, I won't give any spoilers away, but I've, just be aware.
1: <laughs> I've always loved this haircut, though. Um, however, did you catch a little uh, reference to Felicity on the... I did. Between Keith and Lucas? I, I thought that was so funny, so... <laughs> For, the, for those who don't know, uh, Felicity was a show that aired on the WB, uh, late 90s, early 2000s, I believe, mm-hmm. and the lead actress, Carrie Russell, she had these iconic curls, like this really iconic like hair, and then at the beginning of season two, she cuts it all off, and Raiden's tanked. It was this whole thing really after, i didn't after know that she cut off her hair yeah like, raiden's were like terrible after that which i mean come on there's a little bit of misogyny behind that i mean come on as a woman who cut her hair oh no the show sucks now <laughs> but lucas says new town new look and then keith is like whatever you say Felicity." i just thought that was like a cute little callbacks all that
0: oh that's hilarious
1: did you watch that show i never did actually i just know things i'm just a wealth of (laughs) of information (laughs) can you believe though
0: that as soon as they get to charleston keith gets the call about dan and it looks like they're not gonna be living there anymore i know so they the thing is why do they have to make such a big decision about staying like it's one thing all right let's go back to support everyone but why why is this the reason to go back permanently
1: yeah, exactly. They don't have to move back. Yeah, you're absolutely right.
0: I don't understand that part, but they went through the pros and cons of staying, which I always love that scene.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's a funny scene. I like how they go through everything, like, Dan's an ass, you were an ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just thought that was adorable, to be honest. It
0: really is adorable.
1: I also, the whole interaction between Keith and Lucas, though, about how, like, Lucas says, like, is, is it wrong if I hold that Dan dies? And then Lucas ends up revealing, like, oh, I was only saying that for you to, like, protect Keith. And I'm like, that's, I don't know. That whole thing was kind of disjointed to me. Yeah,
0: it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And then he's convince- he's convincing Keith at the very end to go back because, like, he's your brother and that's the most important thing of all. You gotta, you gotta go back. Because he's your brother. Like, that reason outweighs all the other reasons to stay in Charleston.
1: Yeah, which, I mean, I have thoughts on that being, like, a toxic piece of advice. People say that all the time, like, oh, like, you know, he's your brother, he's your, she's your sister, he's your father, blah, blah. Like, if it's a toxic family member, you don't have to keep them in your life at all.
0: And since when did Lucas want to actually have a relationship with Dan?
1: Yeah. That subplot seems to just come up.
0: What was their last encounter before the heart attack?
1: The last encounter was the was the game and the season finale when Dan forced Lucas to play. So yeah, like honestly, like jump I mean, it's been a while since I mean both of us have watched the season finale and like it's kinda weird to jump from that to this. And you know these two storylines there's not much time between the two of them either. No, there
0: isn't, because I think that game, the game happened, and, I mean, maybe there was just a few days in between this?
1: that's... Or a day? I think it was a... We'll get into the plot, we'll we'll get into those plot holes. There's a
0: lot (laughs) of plot
1: holes. (laughs) But, yeah. I think
0: it was just a day. Or, or, yeah, I think that's all it was.
1: Yeah. We'll get there. (laughs) But, I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess when people are in life and death situations, I guess, like, it could change minds and whatnot, but... It can. I just feel like that's just the one plot point. I'm not entirely buy-in, to be honest.
0: That and the fact that they feel like they need to permanently make a decision to live in one place or the other. Yeah. Like, just go back and and see how Dan is. Like, why do yeah. you all have to be back in Tree Hill?
1: Yeah. it's It's a three-hour drive. <laughs> it's interesting yeah. how
0: they built this up at the end of season one of Lucas leaving. And we talked about this before. In the spoiler segment, I think originally, but yeah. um, that they build up Lucas leaving. It's this big reveal that he asks his mom and he wants to go with Keith. And then literally, it takes the season two premiere for them to come back. Like you would think that they would have had at least a few episodes in Charleston, but I guess it wouldn't be called One Tree Hill.
1: Exactly. It wouldn't be called, we can't call it Charleston slash tree, One Tree Hill. One Charleston. <laughs> no. One Shree Charleston.
0: Not as catchy.
1: One. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow.
0: So I found Nathan's reaction to all this was pretty like I mean he's worried, but like he doesn't really have a huge reaction compared to the other characters. Right. Which is interesting to me.
1: Maybe it's because, at the end of the day, Nathan knows who Dan is, and Lucas doesn't really know who Dan is, so there's, like, that whole, like, added mystery, and that's why Lucas feels a little bit more, like, sensitive about the whole thing.
0: Yeah, that's a good, that's a valid point.
1: And of of course, like, you know, Nathan, I imagine, has some, like, complicated feelings. He's like, yeah, my dad's an asshole, but he also did some good things for me as well, because people are complicated. They're not 100% good or 100% evil, you know?
0: Yeah. That makes sense, because Nathan, he... I'm just reiterating what you said, basically, so I don't have anything else to add.
1: (laughs) Don't you hate these boring discussions where we just agree with each other? Like, what is this? Like, The listeners want to hear us talk about Brucus versus Layton. (laughs) I know, right? Then it gets heated. Yeah, exactly. They want to hear that. But yeah I got you
0: Nathan's conflict in this episode is more so like his marriage to Haley than it is him dealing with Dan's like is he is Dan gonna live or is Dan gonna lo- die conflict you know
1: right right like telling like he'd you have know, family members and everything like that both via the flashbacks and in the present day like trying to tell Deb and everything Deb being like shut your, shut up Haley shut your selfish little mouth that caught me off guard honestly <laughs>
0: yeah that really that moment got heated when they're in the chapel
1: although i really liked how like deb's discovery though because she had her she had her wedding ring on her hand and then she's like holding Haley's hand who also has a wedding ring and then it's just like i don't know it was kind of cool to see the two uh those two hands like next to each other you know
0: true kind of representing different aspects of like a relationship like the fact that Deb's going through a divorce versus mm-hmm. Haley's just, you know, a newlywed. Um, yeah. I also think, like, it's a little far-fetched though, that Deb would, she'd be paying attention to someone's ring on their on their hand and realize that that was Haley's left hand and not her right hand. <laughs> I
1: mean, fair. <laughs> I always fair thought enough. that was a little far-fetched, but okay. They had to come up with, like, some reason for her to discover, you yeah. know? They did. <laughs> Oh, boy. But uh, that was a big, Deb's reaction was a big contrast to Ethan and Haley's parents, who are just lovely people, uh, but at the same time, like, is anybody going to be this supportive of their teenage daughter getting married? They're really, (laughs) they really
0: played these parents to be um, eccentric.
1: Yeah. Non-traditional. Super liberal and hip.
0: Especially the mom. (laughs) Like, especially the mom. She's the one who was like driving that whole
1: storyline, basically. Mm -hmm. And
0: convincing the dad.
1: Yeah. Uh, Who that that actress, that character is played by Bess Armstrong, who also played Patty Chase from My So Called Life. The mom in my so-called life, I should say. And the entire, like, so I didn't watch my so-called life until years after I finished watching One Tree Hill. And the entire time watching this, I was like, Patty Chase would never, she would never approve of this. <laughs> That's funny. I've never seen that show. <laughs> That's a show you should definitely fucking watch. It's 19 episodes. It's on Hulu. Very 90s, but like that, th- that show is just perfect for beginning to dead. It's a shame it didn't get picked up for season two. Aw. But anyway, you'll get to see her play a very different character on that show <laughs> interesting
0: it's just uh i can't believe it I just can't believe it yeah I'm exasperated <laughs> thinking about it because her mom I'm like this is their youngest daughter also mm-hmm. like their youngest kid, and they're just letting they're just like ready to retire and and move on, I guess. <laughs> I, that's what it seems like. They're just ready to like be empty nesters and move on to the next stage in their life, in a way.
1: Yeah, which I mean, go them. But come on, your daughter's <laughs> 16, 17, We don't, you know, that's still like unclear <laughs> at this point.
0: But I see how the writers they had to address like how all this went down, you know,
1: mm-hmm. because
0: they needed permission since Haley. I mean, Nathan was emancipated, so I guess he technically doesn't, but Nathan, or Haley needed permission to get married. So they had to explain it somehow. And I, I feel like the only way they could is like if the parents said yes. How else could they explain it? So then they had to create these characters who would somehow allow it because they, tr- they trust their daughter so much. That's really their reasoning. They trust Haley, and and then they brought up the whole storyline about how uh, Haley's mom her, her parents didn't want her to get married to her husband so they threw that in there as well
1: yeah and and then Lydia uh, Haley's mom sure says okay we forbid her to do it she hates us she keeps seeing him maybe she gets pregnant she drops out of school she turns to a life of prostitution oh there she is smoking crack and sleeping in the gutter <laughs> Wow, what an image! Th- that whole thing was just funny to me, even though nothing wrong with uh, with prostitution. By the way, just saying we are pro sex work space here and always and forever. But anyway, it was it was still a funny line, regardless. <laughs> Because it was just so dramatic,
0: how she yeah. like basically acted out that line. It was really good.
1: <laughs> and we see Haley like giggling. She's like, well, she's like, okay, okay, mom. Like a little dramatic, but all right. <laughs> Which we also have to note that Haley's dad, uh, Jim Jimmy James James James. We should like note as well is played by Huey Lewis. Yep. But I don't have really much to say about him. Actually, I don't. Like, I know any of his music. I'm uncultured. I'm sorry. I'm trash.
0: So he was, yeah, an actor and a musician. It's interesting how he ended up in One Tree Hill.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) I I remember, like, hearing, like, reports about this. Like, the cast was, like, so excited. Like, a lot of the older cast members were, like, really excited about him joining, uh, or Mm -hmm. guest spotting and whatnot. So, you know what? That's that's very cool. Yeah, that's cool. (laughs) I'm a little bit more excited about Lydia because of her role in my so-called life, because I'm telling you. Seriously, make that your next binge, Caitlin. I'm not even kidding you. 19 episodes. It won't take long. Okay. But then I'm going to want more. You will. And the show ends on a cliffhanger, too, and that will be very sad. I am sorry about that. (laughs) Maybe a reboot's coming. Who knows? Who knows? There's, there's always a
0: reboot coming now.
1: I will pressure you before we finish season two, or before we uh, get to our next episode of season two. I'll be like, did you watch my So-Called Life Yeah, <laughs> Did you? Did you? <laughs> uh, anyway. Also, we, 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 introdu- we got introduced to another iconic character, Marion. That we never see again. <laughs> yes. And what the hell? Honestly, like... <laughs>
0: But what was the point of her role?
1: I, I, I don't know.
0: I don't really understand that.
1: The actress did a great job. The actress, um, Avis Murray Barnes, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Um, She did a great job with the work that she's... With the lines that she was given, but that's it? We we never see her again?
0: <laughs> I know, I wonder if they originally had plans to include her. I And I also find it funny how... Haley walks in to her house and she's like, "Where's my mom? Like, it's your house. Go find your mom." <laughs> she's already <laughs> acting like this isn't her house anymore, and then having this whole exchange with M- Marion. Marion. Yeah. Okay.
1: That's her name, yeah.
0: And oh, that's funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which I gotta say, when we, when uh, when Haley first like enters the kitchen, I thought I thought Marion was her mom until so Haley says, "Like, is my mom arounds?" Yeah. Which I thought that'd be really cool. I'm like, oh god, like, uh, Haley's mom's black? I mean, that's really cool. <laughs> I kind of like that representation, and then they just sort of like... then turns out, like, oh, no, not her mom. It's uh, it's just a random character who just gets shoehorned in there. Like, I don't really know what that is. Yeah, I don't know what went on with
0: that. Other than, like, it kind of helped build the mom's character a little bit. The dynamic, maybe.
1: Uh, seen her relationships with other yeah. people. I can see that.
0: That's the only thing that I can really guess. Otherwise, it didn't really make a lot of sense to have another yeah. character in that scene.
1: Yeah, it was. It, it was very random. Like, I honestly almost wonder if, like, if the show was getting like insulted for like having too many white people, and then they said, like, okay, like, no, look at us. We're not racist. We're gonna have one black character in one scene on this one episode like it almost wonders if they were like trying to like take off a checkbox which is terrible like if you're gonna have a new character mm-hmm. you better like give her like actual work you know yeah that's
0: a good point i it could have been
1: yeah that's lots to unpack about this shows lack of diversity but you know what go marion i stand marion
0: oh and can we talk about how the fact that Haley's mom shouts out the window Haley's pregnant
1: (laughs) (laughs) shall we sit (laughs) they're so funny oh my god (laughs) oh
0: my gosh it really was quite they're very funny parents that's for sure oh they are I love saying them (laughs) it gives me chuckles oh my
1: gosh (laughs) oh it's funny but they end up approving of the marriage, which, you know, go, go, you, Lydia, and Jimmy. You're, you're great people, I guess.
0: And we get a little bit more. Did you watch the deleted scene?
1: I did, yes. Uh, refresh my memory. It's been a while since I've seen it.
0: Yeah, you get a little more. Um, I don't know if context is the best word, but you get a little bit more of this storyline. It's with Haley's dad and Nathan. Um, And basically, he's challenging Nathan about marriage and asking him, like, why marriage? And that's when Nathan basically says he'll always love his daughter, no matter what. And it was a pretty short scene, but I I felt like the dad was actually challenging Nathan, which we don't get in the actual episode. Yeah,
1: that's true. It
0: made it a little bit more believable because you got some more context to the whole the whole story,
1: like, yeah, and you know what? You kind of lose a lot without scene, To be honest, because we show that Kelly's dad had a little bit of backbone; he didn't just give in, you know.
0: And I feel like there was no scene. I mean, Nathan was there when they they told her parents, but no one really directly questioned him necessarily.
1: Yeah, we like we didn't know about their relationship. Like they were with just, Nathan. They were
0: just ready to accept. Nathan, who prior to that day had just snuck into the window
1: every night. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. really? <laughs> Those little lines are funny. Like, he found the front door. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that whole thing's interesting.
0: It is. Are we ready to talk about the major plot hole?
1: <laughs> oh my God. So, for our <laughs> season finale, we received a message from at Kim Kirtland on Twitter. And this, <laughs> we were aware of this and we we vaguely mentioned it in the spoiler segment of our season finale, but now is the time where we can talk about it. So when did Nathan and Haley get married? Did they get married after the basketball game or was it during the day? Like, what what is this?
0: How? Oh my gosh, they weren't thinking. Because <laughs> it's one thing if they showed this like later on, people might forget. But when you're watching these seasons back to back now... <laughs> It is, cl- exactly. you can't not notice the pothole. You can't <laughs> not notice so it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so you know, just to recap, this is the timeline. So, at the end of season one, Nathan and Haley are, they're talking about doing something after the game. Very much nighttime. Very much nighttime. Let's, let, let's you know, reiterate that. It is nighttime. And then they drive off together. The next morning is when... Uh, you see Lucas like knocking on Nathan's door. You see the two of them in bed together. And then it's like, oh my God, like they had sex. And then Haley's like, oh, we got married last night. Okay. And then we <laughs> get introduced to the season two finale premiere where we see Nathan Haley in bed. So I guess they went back to bed after talking to Lucas. I guess they just got back in. And then Haley says, we got married yesterday.
0: Oh my gosh, that's so co- I didn't even think of that particular scene. But that, but that one, wow, that really doesn't make sense either.
1: And then also we see, you know, another like random thing. Peyton and Brooke say like, oh, we're going to do Host Over pros reunion tour day two. So I'm like, okay, so is this two days later? What What is, what is happening here?
0: I know, I was trying to think back. What was day one? <laughs> exactly. What was it? Uh, it was off screen, I guess, but <laughs> I mean, the biggest thing is the fact that Haley and Nathan are on a beach saying their vows and during, the it is during the day. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's just absolutely wild to me. I mean, a beautiful scene and like area to get married, but. Oh,
1: yeah, it's gorgeous. I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs>
0: they directed it really beautifully. But like, Why? 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 <laughs> it's such a plot hole.
1: I guess, like maybe, like when they start production of season two, where they're like, "Oh, let's have her. What? Let's have her. wedding day on a beach during daytime. Let's just change our minds." <laughs> Which...
0: and also think about it after a basketball game. What at night? What time was that? And when? When and where would they have gotten married? So that doesn't even make a whole lot of sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, unless... You know, like the courthouse. A I courthouse,
0: I but like, are they doing it at what? That late at night? I, I just, I don't know. But that's getting into the nitty gritty details here. Y-
1: yeah. I'm like, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know how late they're open to marry people. <laughs> so.
0: I guess they decided they wanted something more, I guess, aesthetically appealing versus getting married in a courthouse. Like, they wanted a yeah. beautiful scene. Like, that's what they yeah. wanted to show. So they had to change the time of day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that happens sometimes. Like writers will just like change their minds and just be like, "Okay, hopefully nobody notices this, but we're gonna change this up." <laughs> oh, but we notice. So we're gonna pretend it doesn't happen. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> oh lord, but yes, we address that. Great. Yep. We're good. <laughs> so day looks two. More like, excited <laughs> things. Yes, the the over Bros reunion tour day two apparently. <laughs> what was. What was day one, Jeremy? What actually happened? What do you think? <laughs> I almost wonder if day one was supposed to be the whole thing with, like, Brooke, Peyton, and Nikki about how, like, Brooke fools Nikki. Like, was that day one?
0: Yeah, I guess maybe it was, because they- Does that count as day one? I guess. Because <laughs> they were plotting maybe. against Nikki and working together, so I guess that really was day one.
1: All right. That makes sense. Okay, we answered our own questions. I guess. All right, we're good. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I loved their scenes
1: It was so great I, And I love how Go ahead I go love ahead. their
0: chemistry Like they have really good chemistry
1: I agree I'm gonna agree. ship
0: I'm gonna ship
1: Peyton and Brooke now <laughs> <laughs> You do your dev Row and I'm gonna do Hell yeah So what would their ship name be <laughs> is, it, is it I'm pretty sure there's a ship name that already exists But Brayton Yeah Pru- pruka Prucas? no not prucus that sounds that's...
0: not very yeah. pretty
1: <laughs> why would i say prucus no that's a <laughs> it's definitely not prucus prick. that would be like prick. a little triad <laughs> Pr- it would be pruk yeah i don't like it sounds that. like prick Br-
0: brayton brayton all the way
1: yeah yeah but prucus would be if they if uh brook uh payton and lucas were in a triad which that would be cool i guess i would like that representation <laughs> prucus oh my god <laughs> Anyway, uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. It's be- yeah, Brayton. Brayton's better than, than what you got, proof. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like. Sounds like prick. Yeah. So, no. Yeah, let's work. not do that. Anyway, Brayton. Brayton. Cool. Um,
0: but they just have such a fun energy
1: to their friendship. Mm hmm. They get on the boat together. They're practically a beer commercial. Uh-huh. So cute. I mean. They are. (laughs) But at the same time, there's this underlying tension because Peyton sees that, like, little uh, note from Lucas um, on her door, but she doesn't show it to Brooke or anything like that. And then she's, like, combating this whole thing. Like, do I tell Brooke? What do I do with this? And then Peyton ends up coming clear. And then, you know, it's a source of tension for a little bit.
0: I wonder why her first reaction was to hide it. I mean, it was addressed to both of them. And I know that it stirs up emotions, but... As far as they knew, Lucas was leaving and not coming back. So, why hide the letter? I mean, she I she know. didn't hide it for very long. So
1: yeah, did she hide it for two days or one day? Yeah,
0: who knows? Who, kn- who knows? But it but- wasn't very long, <laughs> and she admitted, you know.
1: I mean, she kind of explains it. She says she just doesn't she didn't want a boy to come between the two of them, and she was just loving the time that she was spending with with Brooke. But at the same time, I feel like it would be better to be honest,
0: and that's understandable. To have those feelings, for sure. But then not not telling Brooke is almost putting Lucas between them even more. Mm-hmm. Because then it makes it a, makes it a problem. So, I see that. Yeah, I think she should have told Brooke right away. But I, I get her feelings. I do. And we have a listener question, don't we, related to this?
1: Yes, we do. This question comes from Jenna Lee, and Jenna Lee wants to know our theories about what Lucas wrote in the letter. What were your thoughts, Kaon?
0: So I I think it was really just an apology for the past year. I don't think it was anything like super shocking. I, I I just imagine him apologizing for everything that went down and breaking up their friendship because that's what he did. I mean he was the cause of that. And I think he he feels bad that that, that it happened that way. I think Lucas does have regrets about it. Yeah. I think the note would have been an honest, like sincere
1: apology. I can get that too. Or I, I also thought like, you know, he was gonna be like super nostalgic and like all broody with his letter about how he appreciates memories of both of them, mm-hmm. about how he appreciated times with both of them. It wasn't like, you know, gonna be like a thing where he says like, oh, like, you know, I you know, I love Peyton over Brooke or Brooke over Peyton or anything like that, no. of course. It was just going to be like a nice, like, nuanced letter. Again, like you said, apologize and for everything in the past. And yeah, because I feel like at this point uh, Lucas thought that he was never going to see Brooke and Payne again, mm-hmm. and that obviously changed things. But yeah, we never find out what's actually in this letter, though.
0: I know, because they burn it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hope there wasn't Hopefully it any wasn't money. money. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I want to know from some of the listeners that like, what are your theories about what could be in this letter? Like, email us at alwaysothpod at gmail dot com and send us your thoughts, and we'd like to address some of them.
0: Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, I want to hear what other people's thoughts are.
1: For real. But and then we see how for one that at the at the very end of the episode we see Lucas find broken and and how did he find them? How did he know? Another plot hole. <laughs> It's very dramatic, too. It's just, like, him off in the distance with his very sexy haircut. Like, that's a good shot of Chad. It just is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> He's really
1: dreamy. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> And then you see Broken and Peyton being like, oh, Lucas. And they're just looking at him like, oh, no. Now everything's going to change. It's all so dramatic. <laughs> and we'll talk a little bit more about that in the which... This coda was really great. The song that plays in the background is Lie in the Sound by Trespassers William. And One note. A lot happens. Can I make one note?
0: That song is such a One Tree Hill song.
1: Like, it is such a One Tree Hill song. (laughs) And only One Tree Hill fans will understand that. Like, a nice, like, ballad. It's, yeah. It's good. Yeah. It has, like, a broodiness to it also,
0: I feel like. (laughs) It's like this sad song. I I don't know. It just the whole vibe of it. It's such a One Tree Hill song. At least those are my personal thoughts. But it's a great coda. I agree. There's a lot going on in the coda, like you said.
1: Yeah. Did you say it's very coda? I said it's a good coda. Oh, I thought you said it's very coda. Because I was about to say that's very that's inappropriate that decides you. It's very coda. It's very One Tree Hill coda.
0: It really is very that can coda. Be an
1: adjective. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So, uh, rapid fire, though. We see Haley moves out of her bedroom. Karen goes to the hospital to visit Dan. Whitey has a tumor affecting his vision. We see that. And it's like, yeah, we didn't really talk much about Whitey, but that's what's happening with him right now. Um, we see Haley didn't have any CD doubles. did they make a mistake? LMG. <laughs> <laughs> and, um,. And then it goes to Nathan and Haley's wedding on the beach, and you just hear like a narration of their wedding vows, and as Haley is saying her vows, you see a bunch of different scenes happening for each line, and I thought that was very interesting. Did you see any connections?
0: Yeah, I thought that was actually really well done.
1: Yeah. So Haley says to have it a hold from this day forward. That's when we see Lucas return home to hug Karen. Haley says in sickness and in health. That's when we see Whitey in a hospital bed. Uh, Haley says, for richer or poorer, for better or worse. That's what we see. Deb seeing the unsigned divorce papers from Dan. Mm-hmm.
0: And then, do you want me to do the rest?
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> and then Haley says, I promise that I will love and cherish you and will deny all those that would come between us. And that's when you see the infamous love triangle: Brooke, Peyton on the beach, and then Lucas shows up. Yeah. And then finally, the last line, Haley, says, I make this promise for eternity. I promise that I will keep forever until the end of time, till death do us part. And that's when we see Keith hugging Deb as Dan wakes up and sees them.
1: Yeah. Which is very foreboded, because Dan's like, oh, till death do us, does us part, I'm not dead.
0: Yep. He's waking up, and then he's also seeing like Deb and Keith hugging. It just adds more to the conflict
1: yeah this promise for eternity mm-hmm. like what is that promise yep who knows
0: overall i re- i really loved that how it paired up those scenes with their vows i
1: it was just really well done the codas are just gonna get better and better i know and
0: it's just a strong premiere episode i would say
1: mm-hmm. do we want
0: to get to our favorites
1: hell yes
0: what was your favorite quote jeremy
1: oh i had to i had to pick this one Someday this beach might wash away, the oceans may dry, the sun can zim, but on that day I'll still be loving you, always and forever, I promise you, Haley. Aww. Because, come on, I had to pick the quote that our podcast was named after, and Always and Forever is, like, mentioned, like, a lot throughout the course of the series, so... And
0: this is the first episode, right, where Always and Forever is actually said. Yep. Yup. Yep. So, now, newbies to One Tree Hill. Now it should make sense what our podcast name is. <laughs> <laughs> Old fans, I love how, like, you, you know, know,
1: when we first started the podcast, we were trying to be vague. Like, yep. for our intro, like, you said, like, we will always and forever love this show. <laughs> Which is the truth, but, you know, it's like, it's not just that, though. It's also a line. You see what we did? We were being clever. Yeah, oh. it, has,
0: it has a dual meaning.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I love it.
0: I just love it. So
1: beautiful. But what was yours?
0: So I I love that quote too. And don't hate me because I didn't choose it. I actually chose a funny... How dare you? I chose a funny quote because... And we referred to this one earlier. (laughs) Because I just get such a laugh every single time. And I watched this episode like three times recently. Once in my rewatch and then twice before like recording or whatever. (laughs) <laughs> so I've seen it and I laugh every time still.
1: I think it's this yeah, the one it's, I think it what, is, because I put this as my honorable mention. So
0: what Keith Keith um Keith and Lucas are coming up with the pros and cons for staying in Charleston or leaving Tree Hill.
1: Oh, it's not the one I'm thinking of. I thought you were gonna say I'm not a wife I'm not even a senior. Oh, <laughs> <Keep no. going.
0: laughs> I just get a kick out of this one. He's like, all right, just to recap on the reasons to stay side. We got dance an ass, you're an ass. My new teaching job, both get a fresh start, your mother annihilated my heart, and this apartment has a killer view. <laughs> it's just so funny.
1: Priorities, you know, I, I got that. You know? It's
0: just so funny. I don't know why I think it's so funny, but I've always thought it's so funny.
1: i thought put that out too. Yeah, the apartment does have a killer view, you know? <laughs> it really does. Nice view. Charleston's beautiful, by the way. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, but that is funny what was your musical that
0: so i really loved empty apartment by yellow card which Same. which played at the beginning of the episode <laughs> it made me excited for the premiere like it just kind of yeah. built my excitement even though i wouldn't say the song is necessarily the happiest song but it's, right. it's definitely not but it's, but the sound yeah. of it the sound of it i don't know it just like kind of amped me up for the season premiere because that's yeah. when you see Keith and Lucas arrive in Charleston, and then Brooke and Peyton are reuniting as friends. Karen also is looking out the window at the the young boy who has who looks like Lucas did when he was a kid, bouncing the basketball down the street. Mm-hmm. That was one of the sadder moments, but overall, it just felt like a fresh. It felt like a fresh start in a way, and the song kind of added to that moment.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah. And this entire episode, just like. It just reminded me of like that feel like when you get back to school from a summer vacation mm-hmm. and you see all your friends again, and it just made me happy, you know? like watching this entire episode made me happy. I know you know it really did. <laughs> it really, really did. and that's why I give this episode a four out of five Marion's because I just gotta give my my girl a shout out. <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> I also give it a four out of five wedding rings.
1: Oh, hell yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it It's a solid premiere episode. I mean, mm-hmm. I was fully interested the whole time. I agree, yeah. Like, I, it didn't feel like any storyline disinterested me or anything, so.
1: Yeah, apart from the the plot holes and, you know, I feel like the whole thing with Lucas and his feelings for Dan was kind of off-putting and weird for me, but... Yeah. I am excited to see what happens next. Oh,
0: there are just so many storylines. I can't wait to talk about with you.
1: <laughs> so oh many. I can't. <laughs> so many great shit to come. Yes.
0: Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Always You can also email us at alwaysothpod at gmail.com.
1: I'm Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can find me on Twitter at Rodriguez Jeremy.
0: And I'm Caitlin Illinich,
1: and you can find me on Twitter at Miss I Reads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find us.
0: You can also support us via Patreon, where for as low as $2 a month, you can gain access to bonus content our private discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners and early episode releases visit patreon.com slash for more information
1: now if you don't want future episodes of one tree hill to be spoiled for you now is the time to turn this podcast off otherwise stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends we'll, we'll be, be seeing you
0: Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your final reminder to turn off the podcast if
1: you do not want spoilers. So this is the first so many times where Dan has a brush with death and then just doesn't die.
0: <laughs> How many? What? Like can we count the times? So
1: <laughs> yeah. this
0: is the first time. And then we mm-hmm, have the end one. of season two with the fire.
1: Yes. Which, uh, by the way, uh, uh, listeners here, there was a moment where Caitlin brought up like, oh, like, I I saw season three and I know that Dan doesn't, because Caitlin watched season three first, (laughs) and before she saw seasons one and two, and then Caitlin was like, oh, well, like, I knew that Dan was alive. And then I was like, Caitlin, you can't say that, because the end of this season. (laughs) So, that was the part that we had to cut out. I'm glad. Just so you know. thought that was funny. (laughs) I'm glad you caught that,
0: because I was not thinking. Obviously. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, we're so, like, ingrained in the show. Like, you know, how are are we supposed to know? I probably would have done the same then. And then I thought about it, like, hmm. As you were talking, I was like, wait. Maybe we shouldn't say that.
0: (laughs) He he dies so many times. Or almost dies so many times that, like.
1: Yeah. So, that's two. And then we see him get run over. Well, I mean, we see him try to kill himself in prison. But that was, like, pretty quick. Mm -hmm. That wasn't, like, a cliffhanger or anything. He... Gets run over by a car in season five.
0: Yeah, that was season five. The run over. I was thinking the car. I was trying. Because then Nanny Carrie <laughs> captures him.
1: And <laughs> Nanny Carrie kidnaps oh, him. Oh my
0: gosh. Then, then we have the heart <laughs> transplant that gets eaten by the dog. Oh my God. That is <laughs> awful. But like that, he was like dying, and then that was his life. His last chance, or whatever. But then he goes to, I don't know, Mexico or something and gets a heart transplant there.
1: And somehow, yeah, like on the black market. Somehow survives. <laughs> Which, by the way, that whole thing with the dog heart, did you know that there was like a, I think it was written by BuzzFeed. There's a whole article about that. About what does it say? just like everything like, <laughs> like behind the scenes film it's, it's actually a really fascinating article like you laugh but like they were talking about like all the things that like went into it and whatnot like their decision for making that storyline it's very very interesting oh if you ever gosh. read it I'll, I'll send it to you yeah you should it's really fascinating
0: that moment was like that was just like a big F you to
1: him because <laughs> yeah <laughs> like you see that you're like what the fuck a dog <laughs> this is what gives bad luck. yeah
0: I cannot, I just can't believe it. So many times. I, are we missing a time? I mean, other than, like, the final time when he actually dies?
1: Which, yeah. he
0: was shot because he was protecting Nathan. hmm But, boy, does it take a long time.
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and he doesn't die until the final season. <laughs> and he goes through a redemption arc and everything like that, which, you know, we'll unpack that as the series goes on. I'm kind of curious to see, like, how my thoughts have changed on all of that. Because seeing him right now, I'm like, oh, God, like, he just needs to die. But I know my feelings are going to change on him as the show goes on, you
0: know? Yeah, he goes through such a transformation. And he's he's in his worst stages right now. He's not at his worst. We already established that before because I misspoke in the last episode. But there's one season where he's at his worst, but, like, I still feel like Generally speaking, seasons one, two, three mm-hmm. are really,
1: like, the worst
0: of the worst.
1: Yeah. It's after killing Keith, I feel like, is when he actually yeah. gets better, which is kind of weird to think about. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, that should be the moment where, like, oh, yeah, there's no turning back from that, but then I feel like that's the moment where he, like, he really fucks up and then tries to, like, repair everything, you know? Because he has
0: so much guilt and regret from doing that. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! When we get to that, whew, we're gonna um oh, the hell wait. out of that.
1: Oh my god! But this season, there's so much shit that he does. He hires Jules to make Keith fall in love with her and then break his heart. Like, what else does That's he do? That's one of the
0: worst things. One of I'm not gonna say the worst, <laughs> obviously. One of the worst things he ever did. You know that that is such a shocking. Oh, I can't wait till we get to that episode. Oh my god!
1: Oh my it's god. such so a big what, reveal. He does so much shit.
0: <laughs> And is that it? Is that all? Like, is there another almost near death yeah. experience
1: that we're not remembering? You counted four. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah, honestly, I think it is. but the dude still has nine lives, and that's just the truth. And also, you know, truth doesn't make a noise, <laughs> unlike us in this podcast. But anyway, Truth Doesn't Make a Noise is the second episode of season two, which we will discuss next time.
0: According to our OTH DVD box sets, party time. Lucas, Peyton, and Brooke throw a wedding reception for the newlyweds. Meanwhile, Deb and Dan seem to be trading personalities. She's stirring up trouble 24-7, and he's Mr. Warmth. We'll We'll be be seeing seeing ya.